Our Old Testament lesson this morning is Psalm 35, verses 17 through 28. And um, after that children's sermon, there's going to be several things that might sound a little familiar. Because uh, this is not an entirely new concept or, or a new idea of how do we respond when people aren't good to us. And so here's one way. This is Psalm 35. This is David or of David, and uh, verses 17 through 28, who is apparently experiencing people not being very good to him. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your word that you've given to us. We pray that you would help us to hear your word, to really hear your word. And we pray that you would help us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds that we would um, understand your good and pleasing and perfect will that you have for us and that you have for this world. Lord, help us to be shaped more by your word than by all the other words. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 35, verses 17 through 28. How long, Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from their ravages, my precious life from these lions. I will give you thanks in the great assembly. Among the throngs, I will praise you. Do not let those gloat over me who are my enemies without cause. Do not let those who hate me without reason maliciously wink the eye. They do not speak peaceably, but devise false accusations against those who live quietly in the land. They sneer at me and say, aha, aha, with our own eyes, we have seen it. Lord, you have seen this. Do not be silent. Do not be far from me, Lord. Awake and rise to my defense. Contend for me, my God and Lord. Vindicate me in your righteousness, Lord, my God. Do not let them gloat over me. Do not let them think, aha, just what we wanted. Or say, we have swallowed him up. May all who gloat over my distress be put to shame and confusion. May all who exalt themselves over me be clothed with shame and disgrace. May those who delight in my vindication shout for joy and gladness. May they always say, the Lord be exalted, who delights in the well-being of his servant. My tongue will proclaim your righteousness, your praises all day long. Turning then to our New Testament lesson, this is 1 Peter Chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. And uh, this is, we are coming now to the very end of First Peter. And this is kind of how he begins wrapping things up, writing particularly to the elders in the church, but then turning quickly to everybody in the church. So this is First Peter 5, verses 1 through 7. He says, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves 
with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this morning, uh, we are continuing our series that we have been continuing uh, for some time. And we are looking specifically at the time where Jesus is gathered together with his disciples in the upper room the night before he goes to the cross. And so we've talked about how this is a time for Jesus to say things um, that he really wants them to know and remember uh, for that time when he goes to the cross. And then which will also make a lot more sense of the cross after his resurrection. Uh, But before we get into, so we'll be looking at John 15, verses 18 through 25. Before we get there, though, um, you've probably had this experience of uh, having somebody say to you, hey, don't take this personally, but dot, dot, dot. And you know what happens when they say that? You take it personally, right? Right? That is exactly how that goes. Hey, don't take this personally, but I just really don't like the way that you blah, blah, blah. Well, now I'm taking it personally. (laughs) And it's almost like if you hadn't even said that, maybe we wouldn't have taken it personally. But somehow, just by setting it up that way, it's almost like, well, now we're doomed. (laughs) We're just going to take it personally. Um, Well, this is a moment where Jesus kind of says that to his disciples. Look, don't take this personally. But the way that he says it I think is a much more helpful way of saying it than the way that we tend to say it to one another. Hey, don't take this personally. I just don't like the way. No. The way that he goes through this whole thing, it leads to this idea of we shouldn't take certain things personally rather than just coming right out of the gate and say, hey, don't take this personally, but I don't like the way you're doing this. But he gives the reasons why we shouldn't take uh, these particular things personally. And I think as we go through this, uh, it will be very helpful to us, instructive to us in, um, in how, we, how we live in light of what he's called us to, as well as in light of how the world treats us. Because those things sometimes seem at odds with each other, and we get tempted to take it all very personally. And here we're having a, have a passage that says, no, don't do that. So again, looking at uh, John chapter 15, verses 18 through 25. And uh, Jesus says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. All right. 
What is he talking about? This is an abrupt transition, by the way, because if you recall, last week he was talking about, this was um, actually the last of the I am dot, dot, dot statements in the Gospel of John. Last week Jesus said, I am the true vine. And so we were looking at Jesus, what does it mean for him to be the true vine? He's also said you know, that he is the, uh, the bread of life, that he is uh, living water. Um, and so we, last week when we talked about the vine and what it means to live in him, connected with him, and we said that this is where all of our nourishment for our spiritual life comes from, is in connection with him. And he was saying things like, um, remain in me and I'll remain in you. And we're like, how do you do that? And we talked about it being like the air that we are in and yet needs to be in us if we're going to be alive. (laughs) And we said the same kind of thing is true of Jesus. So we think about if Jesus is like spiritual bread that we eat, the, uh, the water that we drink, the air that we breathe, that sounds pretty essential to life, doesn't it? You don't get along very well if you stop eating, drinking, and breathing. And Jesus says, you need to eat me, you need to drink me, you need to breathe me. In other words, I am the true vine. <laughs> you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing, just like a withered branch when it gets cut off from the vine. So that's what we were talking about last week and how the, what comes from our being connected with him is not only life for us. It's not, that's not the end result. That is a part of it, but it actually is to lead to something else. And it's this abundant life. That we would have life and have it to the full. In other words, that we would bear much fruit. That's what he keeps talking about again and again, that we would bear much fruit. So what does it look like to bear fruit? And how this is the whole, uh, the purpose of our lives is to be connected with him, that we would bear fruit. And we talked about that in terms of love. Love for God and loving others. That's what it comes down to. And this is what, as we are doing these things, this is actually what he empowers us to do. And it's through that that we have these uh, lives that we were intended to have from the beginning. Now, here's the crazy thing. Chapter 13, Jesus uh, was saying all these, a lot about love, uh, that you'll, this is how everyone will know that you're my disciples, if you love one another, right? Uh, the, he just keeps saying love one another. Love. He has continued talking about love. Throughout this, and we talked about it last week, how there were two verses in particular uh, where, oh, let's see where, uh, verse 12 and verse 17, it says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you, right? And then he comes back to it again in verse 17 and says, this is my command, love each other. And he's already said this, you know, again and again, he just keeps repeating it, love each other, love each other, love each other, love each other. And it's like, yeah, 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 we got it. And he's like, no, I don't think you do. (laughs) And so he just keeps going over it and over it. Love each other. That's what I want you to do. That's what you were created to do. So do it. (laughs) Love each other. And instead, we tend to respond with, well, but like, who is my neighbor? Who is it that I'm supposed to love? Where can I draw the line so I can not love so-and-so? And And Jesus just repeatedly comes back with the love each other. That's the thing. Love each other. Now, here's the abrupt change, though, for today. He only mentions love once. But he mentions hate 
quite a bit. This is a change. We're not used to hearing Jesus talk about hate. We're used to hearing Jesus by this point talk about love and the need to love each other. But then he switches. And I think that there's a good reason for this switch. And here's what it is. Last week, we were talking about this need to stay connected with him and uh, the life that we have in him and how we bear much fruit. We talked, if you remember, about the, like a glass and how if it's, um, if it's not cracked but it's fully fixed and functional and that it's actually serving the purpose for which it was created, that it's actually not less of a glass because it's healed. It's not less itself because now it's healed. It's actually more what it was intended to be from the very beginning. And as it's uh, filled with water and holding water, it's like, ah, oh, now, finally, who, who I was created to be. And so we talked about ourselves being like that, like these glasses that have been um, healed and uh, fixed up to actually serve the purpose we were created to, which is love for others, which is bearing much fruit. And you hear all this and you go, yeah, this sounds great. Why wouldn't we want to have any part of that? Of course we wouldn't have that. Of course we want to be who we were created to be. Of course we would want to have uh, this love for our creator who loves us so much that it would be overflowing into the lives of those around us. That would be wonderful. That all sounds great. And you know that uh, at this point, it's possible the disciples are going, yeah, yeah, we're on board with all this. And we're going to go out there and we're going to love people. And you know what they're going to do when we love them? They're going to say, man, this is awesome, and we want in too, and we're going to start loving people too, and we're going to start loving God too. And Jesus stops them right there and says, that is not always going to be the case. (laughs) And you need to know that up front, that there is a cost to discipleship. There is a cost to following me. One of the things that you hear Jesus say uh, again and again is this, there is a cost. It's not all going to be... well, maybe it is all going to be roses. <laughs> it's just some part is the blossom, some part is the thorns. But, uh, but that's the thing. He's saying, you know, if you want to be my disciple, what do you have to do? Deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. That's what he says. Take up your cross daily. That is very different than uh, get warm, fuzzy hugs daily. That's not what he says. He says, take up a cross This is a life of sacrifice, a life of denying yourself, and a life of even suffering. Now, that seems like a very different call than what we're just talking about when Jesus says, hey, this is the life you were intended to have, and it is a life that is abundant and full. But what I want you to know is that when Jesus is talking these ways, he's not saying two totally separate things. We hear them often as two totally separate things, but what he's talking about is one and the same. That this is how we uh, love one another. He says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's what he's doing on the cross. So when he says, take up your cross and follow me, yes, it's a life of denial of self. It's a life of suffering, but the point of it is not to suffer. The point of it is the laying down your life for the good of others. This is how we love others is by uh, being willing to suffer for their good. If we are suffering not for their good, that's not what Jesus is talking about. If we are suffering for their good, that's a whole other thing. That's what Jesus is talking about. And this is um, where he comes back and 
Yes, it's an abundant life. Yes, it's a full life. Yes, it's the life you were intended to have, but you need to know it's probably not the first thing that comes to most people's mind when we think of the good life. But it is the good life. And so he says, look, if you do this, not everyone's going to like that. In fact, there's going to be some people who treat you badly because of this. There will be people who hate you because you're doing this. Like, that doesn't make any sense. If all I'm doing is good for them, why would they hate me? Well, you can look over the course of human history. You can read over uh, the whole of the Bible and ask yourself the question, how have people treated God? who has done nothing but good in creating the world and creating them and giving them life and calling them to life with him. And what every single one of us has done is said, no thanks. We all turn away from God. That's what the Bible says. It's what human experience has shown us. We have all turned away from the God who has been gracious and good to us and said, I don't want that. I want something on my own terms. I want to do it my way. And here's what Jesus is saying, and I'm going to kind of sum all this up. The way that he is, this is the reason that Jesus is saying, don't take it personally when people are treating you bad because of me, uh, is basically just this. He's like, remember, he says that twice. You know, Keep in mind, the world hated me first. And then remember what I told you. This is what he wants his disciples to remember. Yes, people might treat you badly, but remember, it's not because of you. It's not because they don't like you. It's because they don't like me. And you remind them of me. And we should. And the reason he says, and they don't like me, this is the second uh, section. Remember, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. They pers- if they obeyed my teaching, they'll obey yours. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not, want, they do not know the one who sent me. So they'll treat us bad because... We remind them of Jesus. But then he says, um, he connects it to the one who sent him and says in uh, that last section, whoever hates me hates my father as well. And again, at the very end, uh, they have seen and they have hated both me and my father. You see the connection? What Jesus is saying is people in general hate God. We're like, I don't know. That sounds a little strong. That's what he's saying. That people in general hate God who has done nothing but good for them. And then Jesus comes along, and when they see Jesus, what is it that we've been seeing this all the way through the Gospel of John? What is it that Jesus says, and what is it that he does? He says what the Father tells him to say, and he he, he (laughs) he does what he sees the Father doing. And so when people see Jesus' actions, and when they hear Jesus' words, They are seeing more clearly than they've ever seen before who God is and what he's like. Now, so here's the connection. If they hate God, the Father, how do they treat God the Son in the person of Jesus? Well, they hate him too. And then as Jesus commissions his disciples, now you have seen what I have done, now you go do this. So now as people see the disciples doing what Jesus does, how are they going to respond? Well, if they hated Jesus, they're sure going to hate the people who represent him. This this should make sense to us, right? 
In the same kind of way, we have um, these sort of experiences with people. Say you have someone who uh, is just really obnoxious, that is a fan of that other team that you don't root for. You know, you've got your team, but they go for the other team. And they're just, oh, you just can't stand them. They're so obnoxious. And then it, you start to transfer that. So now everybody who wears one of those jerseys, you just have this immediate, ugh, I probably don't like them anyway. <laughs> just automatically. We do this all the time. I'm using a silly example, but we, this happens in a lot of serious ways. What Jesus is saying is this happens this way as well. That if we are, rep- if Jesus is representing God the Father really well, and he is. That's what we've seen all the way through. And he says, if you are actually representing me well by doing the things that I have done and by uh, actually doing good to people, you need to know some people will respond really well to that. And some people will not. And it's not about you. They're treating you that way, for good or for bad, not because of you, but because of me. The more you look like me, the more you're going to get treated like me as my representative. And now I want you to remember how people treated me. He says in here, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Were there people who persecuted Jesus? Yeah. He says, don't be surprised (laughs) if that happens with you. But he also says, if they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. The people who obeyed Jesus' teaching? Maybe not perfectly. But yeah, there were. This is one of the things that we have noticed all the way through... um, this Gospel of John, it's also when we were doing our series in Acts that we noticed there as well. Here's what happens. Every time Jesus goes somewhere, every time, nearly every time that Jesus goes somewhere and he does something, says something, there are generally two responses. One is some people hear it and their lives are changed as they begin to follow him. They believe in him. They begin to experience this new life that he's been talking about. There's a second group. And it's, who are seeing the same things, who are hearing the same thing, and who decide, we've got to kill this guy. Same actions, same words, two different responses. And we see this all the way through. And what's crazy about this is when you read through the book of Acts, everywhere the disciples are going, whatever it is they're saying, whatever it is they're doing, same two responses. Some people hear it, and they accept Jesus into their lives, and their lives are changed for the good. And then you have another group. It's like, we got to kill these guys. (laughs) That's just how it is. And what Jesus is saying is when they're doing that, whether for good or for bad, it's not about you. They're doing that to you because of me. This is supposed to be an encouragement. (laughs) This is supposed to be an encouragement because we see as Jesus is doing, or as Jesus says these things, yes, he goes to the cross, but he also goes to the resurrection. In other words, the worst things that people can do to him don't stop him. The worst things people can do to us can't stop us. And so we can continue, and we can uh, continue to follow Jesus and be encouraged in that. The other part of the encouragement is that very last verse, this is to fulfill what is written in their law, they hated me without reason. 
They hated me without reason. Like, how is that an encouragement? The point is that this is not something that surprised Jesus. It's not something that surprises God. This is something that goes way, way back as a sort of a description of just how people operate. And so Jesus doesn't say, look, if you experience this, it's going to be really weird. I don't know what to tell you. Instead, he says, you will experience this. Don't be surprised. I'm not surprised. This has been going on forever. Uh, This is how people treated God the Father. It's how they're treating me now. It's how they're going to treat you in the future. Don't be surprised. Um, And don't take it personally. Now, I do have to mention something uh, about this that is very important. In 1 Peter, we were just reading in chapter 5, in chapter 4 that we read uh, last week, it talks about this uh, in a helpful way. 1 Peter 4.13, uh, or 4.12, actually, where he says, Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. All right? So far, so good. That's what Jesus has been saying. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Then he goes on and says, If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear that name. Here's the point. We know that Jesus says that if we stay close to him, that people will treat us like they treated him. And they did persecute him. And so, unfortunately, sometimes we cling to those things and are quick to cry persecution. And persecution isn't what's happening. Instead, we are getting what we deserve because we haven't been sticking close to Jesus. And that's a whole different thing. And that's where Peter says, you know, if you suffer, it shouldn't be as someone who's not following Jesus. <laughs> there are plenty of reasons that we can bring suffering on ourselves in a way that brings no glory to God, does not point people to Jesus, but does make us suffer. And he's like, no, don't do that. If you are, um, if you are rude to people, you should expect for them to be rude back. And that's not persecution. But if you consistently are doing good for people and they're rude back, well, that's more what Jesus is talking about. That is more what Peter is talking about and says when that happens, that's okay and you don't need to worry about it. So I would just caution us, first off, that when people are, when someone's being mean to me and we have that, that feeling The first thing we need to do is check ourselves and say, is this because I was acting like Jesus or is this because I was acting like me? If it's because I was acting like me, I might need to actually repent of that. But if it's because I was acting like Jesus, I don't need to worry about that. I don't need to take it personally. And I don't need to stop doing good. I don't need to stop loving others just because I'm getting pushed back. That's going to happen. In fact, in Hebrews it says this, um, this is Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
You getting it? Consider him, that's Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. Don't take it personally. Stay connected to the vine. Continue to live um, the life that he has come to give. That we would have this abundant life that, yes, involves suffering, but a productive suffering, a suffering that is for the good of others, no matter how they treat us. There are a lot of other places that talks about this in the New Testament, but that's, like, that's where we're going to stop. Uh, let us be encouraged and more and more uh, respond as Jesus responds. Live like Jesus lives. Love like Jesus loves. Even as we are being treated like Jesus was treated. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. Lord, we do thank you for the life that uh, you have given us. And Lord, we recognize the ways that we have um, messed that up in so many ways by trying to... um, trying to be our own God instead of living life with you in everything. And so, God, we thank you also for the new life you give us in Jesus. I pray that you would help us to stay close to you. That we would be shaped and formed more and more and more by you and by your word rather than being conformed to all the ways of this world. Lord, the pressures sometimes are great, but Lord, we know that you are greater. So God, we do pray that you would hold us close, and God, that we would not fight against you, but that we would long to be held close. And Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.